would head east to go to Myrtle Beach, you would uh, drive through South Carolina. And if you went through South Carolina and you went past Columbia and past Sumter, you'd come into a town called Manning. That is right, uh, 95 runs, runs right through the middle of it. When you go through Manning, South Carolina, you'd probably see to the right a church called Manning New Start Community Church of the Nazarene. You actually went in through the doors there, and you brought up my name. You said, hey, do you know James Dollinger? Some of them might look a little confused. Some of them might know the name, but they would go, huh? And they would probably say a few of my nicknames. You see, I actually served at Manny New Start uh, for about seven years before God called me here to Gardendale Church in Nazarene. I served there um, uh, right just about a year after college, God called me there, absolutely loved it. But I, I have to admit that uh, in the first couple months of being there, I got some nicknames right off the bat. You see, the pastor serving there for about almost 14 years uh, didn't really take vacations. And so after me being there for two months, and even though I was a little green behind the ears, and even though um, uh, just with, they were actually at that time building uh, building a, um, a trailer on church property for me to, to live on the church property. So in the middle of that building project, and just I was constantly up there, but the pastor felt safe enough to leave his flock and church uh, to me so he could go on vacation for a week. Now, while he was gone, uh, actually on the day he was driving back, we were supposed to have a fall festival. And, and uh, that is one of their largest outreach and, and biggest time that they have over 500 plus people coming. Um, and this again, I've only been there a couple months and he's explained to me all this stuff. But he says, don't worry, you have two wonderful ladies who's helped run it for years and they'll be there to help you set up Saturday. Okay, so the pastor's on vacation. I'm there Saturday morning. Uh, I know I have games set up that I have students to run, um, but I have no clue what this is supposed to look like. And early that morning, I already get a call from one of the ladies saying, hey, I'm sorry, some things have come up. I can't come. I'm like, okay, well, that's all right. We have one other lady I know that's supposed to meet with me, help show me the ropes or help so we can have a successful fall festival. And probably about two hours after that, the lady says, I'm not feeling well. I'm not able to come. And so here I am on a Saturday morning expecting hundreds of people that evening, and I have no clue what it's supposed to look like, prepare, set up, or do anything. So I just say, Lord, I'm at least going to have prepared what I know, the games for some students to run, and I was going to do funnel cakes. And um, absolutely love funnel cakes, and I, I, I started learning how to make them in college and doing it for our college events. And so I, um, I volunteered to have funnel cakes at our fall festival. And so I, I just said, well, I haven't tried the mix here, so I'm going to go ahead and get, um, so I put some grease on the stove uh, in the kitchen. And I got it, got the, starting um, getting the temperature to go up, and I was about to test this mix. When I hear someone come in the church crying. So you understand the kitchen is all the way at the other end of the church, but I could hear them crying from the whole other end when they came in. And of course, um, taking that opportunity to go over and to pray with them, to talk with them and pray with them. Well, the thing I didn't realize is I forgot to turn off the stove. And so in mid-prayer with this gentleman uh, about this situation, I start hearing crackling. That's something you don't want to hear, especially when you left the stove on. Um, this church 
uh, especially the kitchen, was built by all the hands of people in the church, even handmade cabinets, um, everything like that. And so uh, when I heard the crackling, I said amen real quick, and we ran down there, saw smoke coming through down the hallway, and um, saw that I started a grease fire. And already the stove was melted about halfway down into the ground. The fire was already going up, hitting the cabinets and going around the side. So I run past two fire extinguishers and run past them to go outside. Someone who was working on the trailer uh, at that time that I'm planning on living in and hopefully in about six months. And I, I yell out to them because my cell phone's not working. Hey, call 911. There's a fire. So I yell this to them and I run back into the building past the two fire extinguishers. And then the gentleman I was praying with is using a rag because with grease fires, you do not use water. Okay, if you use water for grease fires, it only spreads it, makes it worse. And so here, here and I, I'm trying to find more rags. I'm using like, we're just trying to find anything we can do to smother out this fire. And thankfully, as we hear the fire, um, uh, as, as we hear the sirens and they are coming, uh, they start to come into the building and they start to do that. Thankfully, we are able to put most of the fire out or at least where it is no longer going. But of course, a lot of smoke is still coming out. A lot of those cabinets were hot. And, um, and I just remember stepping out to see the fire department. And also I see about half the church. So they've already been there, like half the church has already shown up. I mean, they were there before the fire department. Like they're going like, what's going on? Like, so, so the church is there asking me like, what happened? What is going on? I'm trying to breathe because I've been coughing smoke, trying to help put out this fire. And, and I just remember, you know, after the fire department, they're feeling relieved that the fire department's there, that now it's contained. And the fire department came up to me and they said, okay, so the, we, you know, the, the fire has stopped. I said, that's wonderful. And he goes, but we're gonna have to tear up the ceiling. And I said, what? He goes, oh yeah, there, there could be hot spots, you know, from the things. And so I said, uh, today you have to tear out? And he goes, yeah, we have to get up there. There could be hot spots. And so they started tearing out the ceiling of the church. And so we're supposed to, I found out, that we're supposed to actually use that fellowship hall for the fall festival. And now they are tearing out the ceiling, um, ripping out, uh, you know, gutting the top. And, um, and so here I am sitting standing there and uh, just remember looking at the church. I've only been there two, two months. And this is the day the pastor is coming back. And um, uh, already I'm getting the nickname Smokey or Sparky. And um, I just remember just standing there and looking and seeing all this smoke. Now, I would like to say that with all the people that showed up, uh, the, the fall festival didn't skip a beat, that we actually moved everything outside, that a lot of it is planned outside. Uh, I did not do funnel cakes, um, just, to, just to give you a heads up. Uh, even though they requested every year, and I still did it every year after that, outside next to uh, the hose. But, but I do want to stress, I do want to stress that... <laughs> From here on out, if you ever go to Manny Newstart, they might, uh, might know me better as Smokey or Sparky. Today we're going to be in, our, 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 in God's Word. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 16 is where we're going to begin. Again, this is 1 Kings chapter 
18, sorry, in verse 16. If you've never read uh, 1 Kings, I highly encourage you to do that. And, and actually, if you, if you actually want, I actually encourage you to start in, in 1 Samuel, 2 Kings, because actually that's when the first uh, King Saul was uh, before the Lord. Um, but you need to understand that God never planned to have kings. God is King of kings and Lord of lords, that, that God is supposed to lead. And so when the people, Israelites, in 1 Samuel, they came to Samuel and they begged, can we have a king like other nations? They wanted to be like other nations. But we have God as our king. And I remember reading in 1 Samuel, Samuel even goes, Lord, I, he was discouraged. And God told him and says, it's not, they're not turning against you, they're turning against me as king. And so you need to understand that from there out in 1 Samuel, we start to have kings. And there's some good kings. If you read 1 and 2 Kings, there's some good kings. There's some kings that help point the nation back to God, to follow God's way, that are examples of, of just being obedient to God. But then there's also a lot of bad kings. And here we are in 18, and actually uh, who's in charge is Queen Jezebel, and, and she's doing a lot of stuff. They're actually destroying a lot of, uh, a lot of things of God, and actually they're raising things of, you know, Azrath poles and, and things to Baal. And so if you, if you actually read the couple, you know, in context, chapter 18, the chapter before uh, talks about how there's even right now, there, there's a drought that, that, that even Elijah, the prophet, uh, God uses him to cause a drought, that even as because of the unfaithfulness of God's people in the nation, that there becomes this drought for years. And so you understand there's famine. It's a very tough time right now. And so here's Elijah, and they've actually been persecuting prophets of the Lord. They've actually been, been killing them. And so some are being hidden away, but here is Elijah, and God tells him to go and to make a stand. And so here in um, Elijah, um, here in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 16, we begin where we are in the passage today. And if you are unfamiliar with what a prophet is, uh, today, uh, the best way to explain a prophet is, 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 a, is, is a person who obeyed God, that when God spoke to them, God used them. Uh, to speak his word. So even though this morning I am sharing what God is laying on my heart, but a prophet would speak literally what God told them and he would tell them to God's people. A lot of times prophets were used as examples that they cared so much for the people that, that they would, um, God would use them in many different ways. But a prophet was someone who spoke, not just they heard God, but they actually taught what God told them. They would speak God's words back to the people. And so, um, Elijah was a prophet. And so here we are in verse 16. It says, So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Is that you, you troubler of Israel? That could have easily been my nickname at Manny Newstart. It could have been like, You troubler of Manny, you know, just starting a fire everywhere you go. But the, the truth is, is that we like to blame someone. When there's problems, we want to blame someone. And here, they want to blame Elijah because Elijah said there's going to be a drought now. And so, who do they blame? Elijah. But let's read the next verse. Verse 18, he says, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. 
You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. You want to blame the problems going on? And he says, but you're not willing to admit that you've stopped following God. A lot of times the truth is, is we do live in an unfair world. It is a broken world, that there's sin in this world. But the truth is, is that we also have our own selfish nature. The truth is sometimes that we are our own worst enemies, that, that we want to blame other people or for all the other problems. But the truth is, is that we have a choice every day whether to do what is right or not. Let's continue. He goes on, he says, verse 19, he says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. So he's not running. He's saying, this is where I'm going to be at. And he says, and bring 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word through all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long, how long will you waver between two options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people said nothing. I'm, I absolutely love this passage we're going to be reading, but I'm going to be honest. The end of that verse is the scariest moment for me. It says the people did nothing. It actually reminds me of um, a quote that Edmund Burke says. He says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. You see, there's a lie that, that doing nothing is okay. Doing nothing is okay. And the truth is, is sometimes we come into a situation and, and we process things differently. I know I'm, I'm a person that reacts. I know Pastor John is, is great that he, when he looks at something, he processes it. He takes some time before giving an answer. But I know for me that depending on the situation, I react to it. But, but the thing that is common for many people is to do nothing. They want to see the outcome before the situation. And you see, the problem with that is that we have an opportunity that even though we see circumstances, we see situations, those are opportunities to make a decision. And doing nothing is a decision. But what that allows is also for not to be a part of the solution or being part of what God is going to do. See, I even uh, was teaching in the schools, or I know I, I um, teach um, the students, but there's a difference between a great man and a man or a great woman and a woman. A great man or great woman does what is right no matter the circumstances. Being a, a man or a woman of integrity is hard. Especially, it doesn't, it doesn't matter in what culture or what time or period because there's always something. But the truth is, is that it's hard. We always watch movies and see superheroes and we, we see how in these Terrible times, they take a stand for what is right. And those are like the, usually the heroes in the movies when everyone else is running the other way. But it's hard because some situations are scary or some situations are bigger, so maybe we don't have all the information. And so we'd rather sit back and see what happens before we make a decision. 
But can I tell you that no matter what the situation, no matter the circumstance, that we have opportunities to do what is right. And here he says that you have two options this whole time. You know that we're called Israel. And if you've been joining us on Sunday mornings and been listening to Pastor John as he's been talking about names are important, he talks about even as um, Jacob's name is to Israel, changed his name, God changed his name to Israel as it's you've wrestled with God, that the Israelites are those who, who have a relationship with God and wrestle with God, that you are God's people. But even now with a different leader, this evil, you could say, queen, and she's raising up other Baals, other, other gods, and, and giving you other choices, but that, again, is a choice to choose. But it says here the people did nothing. And that's a scary thought for me. Because what if God wanted to do something today, here, and we just stood and watched? What if God wants to do something this week, and you stand back and just watch? For evil to prevail, it's even for just a good man or good woman to do nothing. That yet we could be a part to taking a stand in that situation for what is right. I know that's difficult. I know it's not easy, but I want you to know to me that even I'm ashamed of it. There's times that I stood by and did nothing and looked back, and now I have regret of where I had opportunities to stand for God or stand for what was right and be a part of the situation of pointing people the right way. The people said nothing. So verse 22, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one, because he's the only one standing there, says, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal um, prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Then they speak up because now they get to see. Now they're going to see, well, who is God? And, and I'll be honest that we do want to see, like we, we want to sometimes know the answers. And, and I'll be honest, that's for me, it's, it's a way of control. But if I know the outcome, then it's easier for me to choose. But I want you to remember that they said nothing when he said, first, you have an option. Who are you going to follow, Baal or God? And they said nothing. And we have an opportunity to do what is right, to make a stand. But here they like this. They like this because now we're going to find out the truth. And that with that, they can, make, they can make a decision. Verse 23, or 25, yeah, no, 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. And since there are so many of you, call in the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given to them and prepared it. They, uh, then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. 
Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and he must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as it was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. Then they came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord. See, he was destroyed. But he took the time, repaired the altar of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough for there to be two shades of seeds. He arranged the wood um, he arranged the wood to cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. And water ran down from around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. It's very important that we catch that part. He says, the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. See, back in Exodus, when God spoke to Moses, he says, I'm, I'm the, the, the father of um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you see, guys, Jacob, Jacob deceived people. Jacob sinned. He ran. But he still says, I am still your God, even though you're a people that don't know me. But when God changed his name to Israel, and he says, now you are my people, you wrestle with God. And so he's reminding him, even when he's praying right here, that you are my people. And so he says, you are the God of Abraham, the one that you made promises to, and you have fulfilled them, Isaac and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and all have done all these things as you commanded. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are, tur and, um, you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I love the illustration there of that he licked up even the water in the trench. We have a mighty God, a supernatural God. And what I absolutely love about this, that we need to understand that he is supernatural is because if anyone here has ever tried to make a fire with wet wood, it's practically impossible. 
You practically have to create a fire just to dry out that wood, just for it to cook, just for you to use that. It is extremely difficult, but it says that he saturated this. They did four things of water over all the meat, all the wood, all the stones. And it says they did it three times. They did it so much that it filled the water around the trench. And the fire from heaven, the fire from God, licked it all up, burned it all. That our God is supernatural. The message is simple this morning. That sometimes we're like that people that we want to see God do things, but we do nothing until we see God. That sometimes we feel that we, that we believe God, but we want to see him happen. We want to see the fire, but we just feel like everything's drenched. There's no way. How are we going to get a spark out of that? Because it's so soaked. It's so wet. That maybe, maybe, maybe sometimes in our spiritual life or, or sometimes we see around us and we're waiting for God to move and we can cheerlead. We can from the side and say, yes, God, keep going. But what if God wants us to be in the game? You see, the truth is, is I remember my first couple months when God called me here. I remember one of John's sermons about a church. Do we want our church to, to be a monument or do we want it to be a hospital? Do we want it to be a monument or do we want it to be a hospital? See, a monument usually shows all of the great things that has happened in the past. And I'll tell you what, I am proud to be a part of the heritage of Garndale Church now that what God has done here, what he's continuing to do. But a monument is still focusing on the past and the glory days, or, you know, even now you could say that, you could say, I want to see fire now. But it says Elijah told the people, hey, pour water on this. Pour water on this. And that they're like, wait, why does that make sense? Right now, that, it seems like that's going to be harder. That that's not the way that I think we should start this fire. If God's going to do this fire, we should probably have water away from it. But what if God wants to add water to situations to show that he is God? If you go all throughout Scripture, is where God works in mighty ways, supernatural ways, that, huh, that Naaman, to get healed, he had to go and, and wash in the Jordan like seven times, is this nasty water. And he goes, I could go to other rivers that are cleaner than this, but it was out of his obedience. And God said seven times. And so he went in there, and every time he washed, by the seventh time, because of his obedience and his faithfulness, the guys, that he was healed. That God even used fire for Moses. But when he saw this plant on fire, what he wasn't just amazed that it was on fire because it could have been a dry season. It could have been a brush that somehow it sparked in a fire that could have been on there. But what he saw that the bush was not burning up. There was something supernatural about that. That actually the, the fire, it's almost like it was life. That it wasn't burning up. It wasn't destroying. It was actually, it was bringing light and it was bringing life. That guys, God's in the supernatural business, does things that is greater than our circumstances, greater than the things that we can see. But the thing is, is that we sometimes want to sit back and wait. We want to watch. But what if I told you right now that God wants you to help 
build up that altar. It's been broken down. He wants you to help build it. I know Richard is having work projects here at the, at the church, and I'm just saying that, that God wants to continue to use this place for his kingdom, this building. And we want to glorify God. And even though it's simple projects, but I'm just saying that we might be thinking, well, giving a Saturday and going and, and, and working on something, rebuilding, fixing something that is older. Sometimes it's hard for us to say, like, how is that going to bring fruit? I, I have a lot of other stuff I got to do. I'm busy. That I'm just saying that I'm the king of excuses here. I'm, I'm speaking to you. This is what God's laying on my heart. That a lot of times we say, God, we want you to do great things. But when God says, hey, I want you to grab some water and I want you to pour it over that. And we're like, wait, God, I want fire there. And you're telling me to go pour water. Elijah was a prophet. And he obeyed God. And God told him, I want to do great things here. And he even stood in front of 450 prophets that wanted to kill him, that have been killing other prophets of God, that he's showing himself. And he's standing up there. And he says, pour more water on it. See, the thing here is God calls us to be faithful. And when we're faithful, God shows up. I mean, God's always with us. But when God shows up, when we're faithful and we see God, we see the supernatural way how he works, not just in us and through us and our family and all around us. Could you think of the nickname that they're giving Elijah after that? What they're going to be saying? I mean, they saw what God just did. And that's going to, it says all the Israelites showed up. All of them, I mean, everyone's going to be talking about this, right? What do you think God would nickname Gardendale Church of the Nazarene? Our church. If God brought the fire here, if God worked on us, if we're faithful, you think people are going to be, not just us, going to have a nickname of what God's going to be doing, these mighty things in us and through us. We want the fire. But it's out of obedience of God. It's out of obedience of God. That sometimes we're prepping so that God can move in, in, in even a mightier way. This morning, uh, we're going to close in a song. And I don't know where you are spiritually. As I said, maybe, maybe you're like the people and you're, you're here this morning because you want to see God. You want to see God move right or left. But what if I told you that, guys, God wants to take us to the next level? And maybe this morning is saying, God, I want to step out on faith. You know, when God called me to South Carolina, I remember back then, this is before smartphones really and, and GPS uh, other than using your computer and I, had, I used MapQuest and I remember it said to get to this church you had to turn on two dirt roads. Back then it was surrounded 14 acres of cornfield and I was like God you're calling me to a place in the middle of a cornfield. I'm a city boy. I remember being scared that girls have teeth there. Like, how am I supposed to meet the right one? I remember coming up with all kinds of excuses. I had every reason not to go. But I also know God put it before me. And it stretched me. It's almost like Peter, when he was, 
seen Jesus out of the boat and he saw Jesus walking on water and Jesus says, come. And he stepped out on faith. You and I are the church today. We are Israel. We are God's people. Did you know that he created you and me? And God wants to continue to bring the fire. God wants to continue to work in mighty ways. But sometimes we're passive. Sometimes it's easy for us just, and, and it's not just our culture, it's always been this way. But it's human nature for us to be passive, to sit on the sidelines and to watch. But what if today we all decided to be active? Now, many of you are already active. I'm not saying that. But maybe today, God just wanted to remind you that, yes, it looks like you're just pouring water on a Wednesday night, coming and, and helping out with the meal. But can I tell you that we, we had four new students. We had two new students the previous Wednesday and two new students this last Wednesday and absolutely loved the meal. And you might just be thinking, well, I just served. I just helped out. I might have just refilled the water. I might have just said hi. But I'll tell you what, just because you loved on these four new teams these last couple weeks that two of them want to go to TNT this weekend, they have no clue what's about its next week because they want to be a part of what God's doing because they felt so belonged in our church. And you guys got to greet them in the cafeteria before, in the, in the fellowship all before I did. That we sometimes don't see, we feel like we're just pouring water and we don't always see. But when you make the decision to follow God, I will tell you this, that God's gonna move in a mighty way. That I believe God, I thank God and praise God for the glory days, but God wants this to be a hospital, to be a place where people can come broken from the world that we can love, that we can be Christ to, but we need Sunday school teachers. We need, we need people to help and to join. And I'm, I'm just saying Sunday school is one aspect. But what I'm saying, though, is that to join and be a part of what God is doing. I encourage you tonight, as we sing this song, we have the altars open, that if anybody would like to come, I just want to, the altars over here, that if anybody would like to come down, if, if God spoke to you a certain way in this message, that we want to offer it to you, that, that maybe, maybe you just want to make a recommitment to God. Just as David, God created him a new heart and a steadfast spirit. Maybe God is creating to you a new steadfast spirit. If there, anyone would like healing, Randy is going to be down here. And um, we have uh, anointing oil that we can anoint over you for healing or maybe a family member. And often I'm over here to the right because just as God showed up with fire, and showed the nation who God is, that I believe not just that he's a real God, but he came to save us. And if you don't have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that this morning you can. That there is hope. That Jesus came and died so that we can live, that we don't have to keep living in sin. Jesus died for you and me, but the truth is, is that we have to realize that we have sinned. I told you, a great man, great woman does what is right no matter the situation. And sometimes that's when we realize when we're at fall or we have a situation that we, we take ownership of that. And we make a change to be different. And this morning, I want you to know that Jesus came and died for you and me so that we can be free of sin, that we can live a holy life, that we can follow God. Live a holy life. And so this morning, if you even want to come down and like I said, you, you can pray at your seat. God knows your heart.
But like I said, I, I'd be more than willing to talk with you. But we believe in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you believe that he has the power to save, it says if you believe in your hearts that he rose from the dead, you'll be saved. So confessing with your lips is saying, Lord, I need you. When you believe in your heart, when you believe in your heart, if he has the power, the supernatural power to bring fire from heaven, to burn even a watered down altar, that if he can die and raise from the dead, then guys, he can create in us a new heart, a new life. I just think it's gonna be amazing when we fully surrender to God and be obedient to God, when God brings the fire, what God's gonna do here when he continues to work. And like I said, I believe that we continue to be faithful. God's gonna be my way. So I encourage you that as we sing this song, I encourage you to stand and worship the Lord. But if you would like to come down and pray, uh, um, I'm here. I know others can come and pray over you, but also even if you need healing, I wanna offer this to you. Let's pray. Or let's sing. I'm sorry, let's stand, let's sing.